Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I thought if I could get this thing going a little bit earlier, I know my afternoon two-show days, they tend to run a little bit closer to the start of the game, so I don't know, just trying some stuff out. Timing-wise, you guys are part of it because, again, I've really only been doing these shows simulcast for like 14 months, which is so dumb when I look back at it and think, oh my gosh, what if I had just been like simulcasting my shows on YouTube since 2018 or something like that? How different would this channel be if it had consistent contact for or content for six years instead of one? That is just, well done. I'm leaving money on the table is basically what's happening there. Quite literally, because, you know, six years ago, if that had, we'd started here, we probably would, YouTube would be generating more than a couple of meals every month. Anyway, welcome everybody. It's a bonus second episode here on Tuesday of Fantasy NBA Today. It's the buy low episode for week 16, and it is a doozy. It's a doozy. You guys already saw the thumbnail, presumably, so you know you know one of the names already. And um, it doesn't get a whole lot less risky than that. And you know me. I'm not, like, each of these moves that we're going to go through today, they, they have a time and a place. Um, so... Make sure that you are taking in the nuance of what we go through. It's not just like a blind, you know, close your eyes, run through the door kind of thing. But uh, there are some, there. these will get your blood a, a boiling a little bit. Um, I am at Dan Vespers on social media. Some of you are actually probably watching this live on social right now. So awesome. If you are, just make sure to hit the follow button. If you're not, you can navigate over there, hit the follow button. We also have our trade deadline live show. That's uh, well under two days now away from today. We're at 712 thumbs up. I still want to get to 750 before the show begins. I want it to be the biggest show we've ever had in the history of sports ethos, and I need you guys to help me do it. So find that link in the show description. Head on over there. Hit that thumbs up button. That will be a uh, large bonus for us. Also, we've got the Discord link in the show description. We get uh, tweet storms in there, things that I do on social media that... Uh, we're able to throw over into Discord from time to time. Just a nice opportunity to go pop in and have some fun talking fantasy with fellow fantasy enthusiasts. Let's dive in onto our Week 16 by low board. But before we get to uh, what the the names for today, um, I thought it might make sense, like usual, to just kind of go through back uh, briefly some of the players we've been talking about. Last week, Chet Holmgren was the name. Um, he'd been trending down a little bit, mostly because of free throw shooting, and I thought that was an opportunity to maybe squeeze a buy low in of somebody in the you know 30s. It's still you know it was still was going to cost a pretty penny. It just it never felt like whatever the the 50 some odd 60 some odd run he was on was something that was going to stick because there were just things that were lower, even though everything else seemed to be fine. Two weeks ago, we had Steph Curry on this board, and I know people are like, who the hell is going to punt on Steph Curry? Well, the the people that hit me up on Twitter that were like, Steph is washed now. I'm guessing you guys don't think that anymore, friends from Twitter. Um, he's been going nuts. He's been a first-rounder over the last two weeks, capped by his 60-point 
was that single overtime or double overtime? Doesn't matter. It was a huge ball game. Team lost, but who cares? Cam Johnson is dealing with a sore adductor at the time we talk about him right now, but he is finally trending in the right direction. He's worked his way back up to the edge of the top 100, so that's good. Let's hope that this adductor thing doesn't slow him down. Darius Garland was our uh, injured by low play. We had him on the board for about three weeks in a row, and uh, now he's back. So hopefully you were able to get him at like a top 80 kind of price. And DeJounte Murray was our risky play from the last two weeks. He still hasn't been traded, which I don't know. Does that make him more or less risky? I honestly don't know the answer to that, but people are freaking out about him, and there was a chance you could get him for, you know, 60 to 70 range, 50 to 70 range, something that is uh, pretty workable because he's still a hawk right now. And honestly, I'm not that worried even if he went somebody else, somewhere else. Okay, let's dive into the extremely sensitive first name on our buy low board this week. And I... Uh, I didn't put Jordan Poole. I think a lot of people thought I was going to put Jordan Poole on the list, but he was back on sort of the trade deadline stash board, and it felt like it uh, that would be kind of recycling a name. But I do think that Jordan Poole is a weird little buy low just for the next two days to see if guys get out of his way, and he starts to take a few more shots going into the trade deadline. Uh, but that's the reason that he's not on this board. Um, it's also important that I stress once again how I've treated Jordan Poole like he's radioactive since his ADP got higher than 60, which was like mid-September. But that doesn't mean that you have to be locked in on a particular take if there's an opportunity for a little bit of value. And I think I can translate that thought here to Tyrese Halliburton as well, who is the first name on our buy low list today. He's number eight overall in 9-cat. Um, this is a guy who is number four three, four range for a very long time this year. But over the last two weeks, he's number 87. And the reason for that is that he's on a minutes cap of 22. And we have no idea when that's going to get lifted. He's on record in the media saying he doesn't know how long it's going to take, but he's assuming it's going to be a while. They're getting him to 20 minutes in these games to try to make sure that he can still qualify for the various NBA awards and, you know, all NBA boards and stuff like that. League leaderboards, things of that nature. So, uh, how long does it get to go? The honest to goodness truth is I have no idea. And nobody does either. Nobody has an idea. Other than Halliburton and the Pacers, and their medical staff, who probably have some kind of an idea of how long this thing can go. But here's the thing. They say it's indefinite, but is it really without a defined endpoint? It's only indefinite in as much as they're not telling us what that endpoint is. And I would argue that it becomes pretty definite if the Pacers hit a sort of an irretrievable skid they're 28 and 23 right now. They're the sixth seed. They're a half game up on the Magic for the last non-play-in spot to go to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. The Heat are right behind the Magic as well. Then there's a pretty good little drop-off to the Bulls and Hawks. So I don't think the Pacers are in any real danger of falling out of the playoff picture. But they're also not very good without Tyrese Halliburton. They're fine. They're probably just a slightly sub-500 team without him. But they're well above 500 with him. And at some point, he's going to have to play again. 
And we did this exercise on our morning show talking about Joel Embiid and him being out for, uh, as you know, at minimum four weeks and then the evaluation and then a ramp up or something to that nature. But here's the short version of all that math. There's almost exactly 10 weeks left in the NBA season. It's actually two days less than that. There's 68 days left from the time we are recording this by low episode. I can't. Do any of us actually see Tyrese Halliburton being on this minutes restriction for more than a month? That'd be an incredibly long amount of time to be limited in your number of minutes with no tweaks to it whatsoever. Is he getting better or is he getting worse? You kind of have to know one way or the other after a month. How long has it been right now? It's been four games. It feels like it's been forever. But it's been four games. Because remember, he played on January 19th, played 35 minutes in that ball game, and then he missed uh, about 10 days or so, came back on January 30th, and he's played four games since then, 22, 22, 22, and 20 minutes in those. The last one was only 20 minutes because they felt like they could beat Charlotte without him. They could. And so, again, I understand that it feels like he's been on this quoted indefinite minutes restriction forever, but it's been a week. It's been one week. And a day, okay? A week and a day, I guess. No, I think it's actually been exactly one week. So here's the thing. If you're fighting for a playoff spot, this probably isn't a move you can make. If you're the six or seven seed in your head-to-head division, or if you're in Roto and you're kind of like fighting for getting into the money, I don't know that this would be the right time to do it either. But if you're like, first of all, if you're way near the bottom and you feel like your team needs a big-time shift to get there, this would be an interesting thing to try. Or if you're way at the top and you can afford to give up a fourth rounder, or something to that degree. And that's the number that I think we can target here, is a fourth rounder. So somebody ranked basically between 40 and 50, give or take, would probably get it done if said person has a lot of name recognition. Uh, Alperin Shangun, number 48, might be able to get you Tyrese Halliburton right now. Might. Evan Mobley ramping up. Give it two or three more games, he might. De'Aaron Fox at 39 might get it done. Because whoever has Halliburton in your league is probably freaking out a little bit. Now, maybe this, again, this trade might work better if the team with Tyrese Halliburton is sitting in like the fourth, fifth, sixth spot, something like that, and they don't want to fall out of the playoff picture. Or, again, if you know if it's over on the Roto side and it's somebody that's maybe not near the top, it could be anyone, honestly, for Roto. The, the stars are going to have to align a little bit. Because if the top team in your league has Halliburton, they're going to wait it out because they're fine. They can afford to just maybe not be as dominant for a few weeks. Top two teams, top three teams either. But, you know, as you get into like the four seed through the 12 seed, and I think, again, this makes maybe more sense in head-to-head than Roto, those teams all have something to lose. Third seed, they're worried about falling down, potentially out of the playoffs. Maybe they want to try to make sure they get into the top two Fourth, so the same thing. Fifth, sixth seed, they don't want to fall out. You miss the playoffs, you're just done. 
Seventh seed, if they have Halliburton, there's no way they can afford to take half games from the first rounder. They need somebody that's putting up numbers. You could probably go a little bit higher even if you wanted to. You know, like a Jalen Brunson at 35, Demonis Sabonis at 33. These guys would get it done. C.J. McCollum at 29 might get it done. I don't know if you even need to go that high. Not that I think C.J.'s... I mean, he's been sort of... I mean, he's been amazing. Let's let's be honest. C.J.'s been way better than any of us expected, but he has been falling slowly for the last three weeks or so. Very slowly. So, again, I look at Tyrese Halliburton, and my thought is... The word they're using is indefinite... But there is an endpoint on it. This, I don't think, I'd be very surprised if this lasted, if this lasts the rest of the season. Just seems unlikely. It's not feasible. They can't do this the whole year. There's no point. At a certain point, if he's not healthy, you stop playing him. And if he is, you play him more. It just, there's like, you can't take this weird mid-road right now. They're doing this so that he stays qualified for things, and they believe that he can actually get better health-wise while they're doing it. If they thought he was going to get worse or stay the same because of this, they wouldn't be doing it. That's the only logical explanation here, is that they believe he can actually improve while he's on this indefinite, they say, minutes restriction, which, again, I don't believe is actually indefinite. So if you can afford to do it, See if you can go get Tyrese Halliburton, a bona fide first rounder who can be had at probably a two to three round discount right now because nobody knows how long he's going to be on this weird 22 minute bender and or what he can actually do with it. Which, by the way, uh, he's been admittedly not very good on this little two week bender he's been on. Uh, number 87, I think. But that's also because he's at five assists in those 21 minutes. That's probably a number that will creep up towards 7 or 8, just given his normal sort of assist per minute situation. Halliburton's at 12 assists in 32 minutes, so he should be around 8 in 21 minutes. Uh, so he's actually better. Like, this is a guy who's probably going to be a top 60 fantasy player in 22 minutes of ballgame. So absolutely you can give up somebody in the 40 range because you're not even sacrificing all that much in the short term. I know. It's freaking ballsy, but if you can pull it off, this is the kind of move that could end up winning your league, if it works. We're staying in Indiana today. Our two top names, the other one is Miles Turner, who has not quite figured out how to play with the new pieces yet in Indy. He's number 59 overall on the year now. He's fallen, obviously, because over the last month, he's number 155. And a lot of that's because his minutes have been all over the map. His production's been all over the map. 27 minutes a game. But more than anything, not only are his percentages down, but his blocks are at 1.1 over the last month. Look, this is a two blocks a game guy. He just is. And if you want to point and say, oh, you know, Pascal Siakam being in town, it changes everything for Miles Turner. Uh, you know, ultimately, it won't. He's just on a bad blocks kick right now. He had five blocks in Portland on January 19th. Since then, he has five total over seven ball games. 
Guys through, go through up and down swings, and for a player like Miles Turner, whose value is so heavily tied up in shot blocking, if that number drops off by like a half, he's also going to see his value plummet. I'll admit, the 27 minutes a game this year, that's been annoying because you know he was playing 30 minutes a game each of the last basically four years in a row, and that's how he was able to get into the 20s on a per-game basis. That Miles Turner is probably gone. I don't think he's getting into the 20s this year. But he's at number 59 right now, largely because his last month has been so terrible. And I think the target should be to get at least inside, back inside the top 50. And, the, you know, the beautiful thing is that there are teams that are panicking. You can get Miles Turner for probably somebody in the 75 range. And there are some pretty good players in the 75 range that would definitely get the job done. Uh, his teammate, Pascal Siakam, who, I don't know. I mean, uh, you might be able to aim higher than that. Uh, D'Angelo Russell probably doesn't get it done. Tyler Hero, Anthony Simons, maybe, probably not Hero right now because he's in a, a slump while Miami's kind of figuring out how all the pieces fit together. Simons, maybe. Or maybe you pair a couple of, like, a 75 with a 100. Maybe you go uh, Derek Lively and Anthony Simons together. Or maybe you go uh, Jalen Duran straight up as an interesting candidate. How's he been over the last month, come to think of it? Jalen Duran number 91 over the last month because in the beginning of the season, I love Jalen Duran. by the way. I should probably try to qualify this, this statement with he's one of my favorite young players in the NBA because he's a rebounding Goliath. But he's not a defensive stat Goliath. That's just not really his thing. He got off to a big shot-blocking start this year, but that was kind of anomalous. Who else is out there that might get the job done in that same range? Maybe you go a little higher with somebody that has less name power, like a Mike Conley. Eh. Devin Vassell at 68 would probably get it done. Um, DeAndre Ayton who's kind of an annoying player to roster anyway. Maybe somebody would just want to make that flip. Nurk? You think Nurk would get it done? No, but maybe you could pair him up with like a Jabari Smith Jr. when he's warmer. Or maybe you could sell high on someone like a Cam Thomas or a Jonathan Kamingo right now. Those guys are going buck wild. Now, the thing with Miles Turner is that I don't think there are quite as many sort of injury stipulations on his stuff. Uh... He's playing poorly because there's just weird pieces that are being fit together. Uh, so I don't think you have to... There isn't that whole, like, how long am I going to have to sit on a guy who's not playing that many minutes? I think with Miles Turner, you're just going to see the pieces start to fit a little bit better in Indy. And I also think that playing alongside Tyrese Halliburton is an interesting one. Someone in the chat room suggested Isaiah Hardenstein for um, for Miles Turner. I, I, and yeah, I mean, if you can pull it off, I think you should do it. Hardenstein's been awesome. Uh, but there is this sort of looming specter of Mitchell Robinson showing up next month. Hardenstein top 50, basically, over the last month. That's kind of where he tops out. And that's where I think we can probably try to get Miles Turner to. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would go that direction. Last name on our board, and this one is Iffy. I just wanted to put him on there because I thought it would be worth talking about, is Joel Embiid. Whether or not, is this a buy low or is this a terrible idea? And the answer is both. 
As I mentioned on earlier uh, our show earlier today, Joel Embiid out for at least four weeks, and then there will be an evaluation and likely a, a significant ramp-up time. My guess on him is that he's out for seven to eight weeks, and there are about ten weeks left. So take that and build from it, meaning my expectation is that Joel Embiid plays the last two weeks of the regular season, meaning if your season is over before those final two weeks, you don't do it. If your season goes to the very end of the NBA campaign of the regular season, then you consider it. And the reason you consider it is because you can get a top five overall player right now for pennies. He's being dropped in a lot of formats that uh, don't go to the end of the regular season and formats that do, you can probably get him for somebody in the 90 range. 80 to 90. Derek Lively, when healthy, would probably get it done right now. Austin Reeves would probably get it done. Michael Porter Jr. would probably get it done. Here's the thing. Your team's not going to miss those guys that much. Jakob Pertl, John Collins, Max Struess. Your team's not going to miss these guys that much. What's Pirtle over the last month? 139? All right. Like, you think your team can survive without these guys that bounce between having a week in the top 60 to 80 range and a week in the in the 140 range? Yeah. Your team can survive. But you also absolutely positively must have an injured slot available, probably more than one, because someone else on your team is going to get hurt during these seven or eight weeks, and you're not going to want to have to say, I can't do it because I got Embiid in my only IL slot. You need two or more IL slots. Your season needs to go to the very end of your fantasy season needs to go to the very end of the NBA regular season. And you probably need to be in kind of the catbird seat in your league. This is not a move you make if you're in like five, fifth, sixth place. Same thing with the Halliburton one, although this one to a much larger degree. This isn't a move you make if you're in sixth place. This is a move you make if you're in like a top two or three seed. Three might be the absolute best time to do it because you're like, you know what? I'm probably not going to beat the number one team unless I do something wild, but I'm probably going to make the playoffs. So what's the thing that could get me over the hump when I have to play the number one team? I guess three would play two, but you guys catch my meaning. It would be getting Joel Embiid for your semifinals. So again, with all of the stipulations I laid out, needs to go to the end of the regular season. You can't be fighting for a playoff spot. You probably don't want to give up more than a top 80 type of player. I could make an argument, and I think I just did, for trying to add someone like a Joel Embiid. I don't think it's as crazy as it sounds. Roto, yeah, absolutely. Same thing. Squeeze two weeks out of him at the end of the year. And you know what? If he doesn't play at all, you just pretend like, oh, Austin Reeves I just traded him. He just pretend he's out for the year or something like that. Because, it's again, I promise you, losing someone like an Austin Reeves would be a little bit annoying. But, you know, he's top one host seven over the last month. 16, three, and five and a half on decent percentages. It's fine. But you can stream that spot, and you don't lose very much. So you give up a little bit to take that big home run hack. How many times right now? And it's crazy. How many times are two bona fide top half of the first round guys available at this steep of a discount at the same time? The answer is never. 
And right now, you have a shot to buy on Tyrese Halliburton for probably a 40 to 50 range guy. And you have a chance to buy, and again, serious stipulations alert, on Joel Embiid for someone in probably the 80 to 100 range. Because that team is going to be looking for any kind of return. Provided, again, they're not like the number one seed. Because if they're number one seed, they're probably just going to sit on him and hope that they can get him back in the playoffs. They feel good about themselves already. But there are, I mean, we're again, we're talking about, like, for Embiid, it's going to be any team basically ranked between, like, 4 and 12 is probably going to want to sell him at a discount. And 1, 2, and 3 are going to try, want to try to buy him. For Halliburton, it's probably teams, like, honestly, maybe 3 through 12, but probably more like 5 through 12 are going to want to sell and everybody else is going to want to buy. That creates some kind of market. Thing is, I'm guessing some of these teams at the top of their league are like, ah, I don't really want to deal with that. That's too much work. So you, if you're the three seed and you're like, you know what, this is work that I should invest. I'm not going to get over the hump unless I go get myself a first rounder at a discount. This is your window. So it's, yeah, it's a freaking risky day to do it. It's a risky number set of names. But these types of insane difference makers are rarely available for this cheap. And we've had first rounder. I mean, we talked about Steph two weeks ago when he was outside the top 24, when he had slipped into the very beginning of the third round. Or was he number 22? Either way, people on my timeline said he was washed. And I thought, okay, if if even one person is saying that, that one person could be the team that's rostering him in my league. Of course he's not washed. He's freaking Steph Curry. But you could go get him for a guy ranked around 20 when you know he's going to move back up into that top probably 14 to 10 range. At worst. Jason Tatum had fallen into the 30s. That doesn't mean you were going to get him for someone in the 30s, but you could get him for someone in the 20s when you knew he was going to get back up into the teens. And that's where he is. He's up to number 19 now. Because Tatum has very quietly started shooting his free throws better. That's the thing. And those guys were way more expensive than Halliburton right now. Halliburton you can get for way cheaper. You know, Steph was going to cost you Tyrese Maxey. And Tatum was going to cost you LeBron. Or Trey Young or something like that. Halliburton's going to cost you probably De'Aaron Fox right now. Or Sabonis. Or Jimmy Butler. Someone go do it and tell me about it. I'd like to know that somebody you know, whipped it out. Metaphorically. All right, that's your show, everyone. Thanks for following uh, at Dan Bespris over on social media. Go check out our buddies at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order with our buddies at manscaped.com. I know some of you are watching live on social right now, so please like and subscribe, like and follow. If you're watching uh, on YouTube, subscribe and like and if you're taking it in on a regular podcast channel i am the most gracious to you because uh i recently learned that actually those ad dollars are the uh the the largest so um hey whatever you can do to go listen on old pod channels that's good for us by the way my hat of the day here these are the cannapolis cannonballers i try to wear hats basically of the weird it's not that weird i guess i worked in the minors of the teams that my uh kids are gonna be on in little league but now he's graduated to like machine pitch and and kid pitch and stuff like that so now it's all just big league clubs so i got like a royals hat up there and i think he's gonna be on the cardinals we're staying in a uh, one geographic area i'm realizing anywho i am dan vespers 
that's it for shows today. Only two. You only get two for Tuesday. Back with uh, at least one tomorrow. So that's something. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>